Welcome along to episode two of the Irish Bookshop, a broadcast coming to you from the heart of an independent bookshop. My name's Wally O'Neill and I run Red Books, an indie bookstore in Wexford Town. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, D.A. Gaisley, and a special guest. Now we are, due to lockdown restrictions, all in different places tonight, but through the wonder of satellite, we can connect and uh, hold this interview. We started this podcast to highlight the amazing abundance of quality that's coming up in Irish literature and uh, Irish art at the moment. So as I said, I'm joined by my co-host. He's a historian, writer and playboy, D.A. Gaisley. How are you, D.A.? Hello, Walter. How are you? Very good, very good. What have you been doing since our last podcast? Because I know we've been a little bit held up and I have to uh, take credit for that. Um, well, the, the Den has come back on RT1, so all is right now in the world. Brings back the great memories. Uh, I've been writing away, uh, trying to finish my uh, history book. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard times for writers, but uh, you've got to play on. You know, Christmas is coming out soon, so hopefully there'll be a bit of joy back in the country. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I guess we're going to have to start off by thanking everybody for the great feedback from episode one. Um, we were surprised how many people listened to it, and we were surprised they actually gave us positive feedback. And it's only episode two, but tonight's broadcast is also going out on Men's Shed Radio. And one of the reasons for that is because of our guest. He's a writer and artist from Dunkarmic via Liverpool and the Royal Navy. And his name is Tom Logan. Welcome along to the Irish Bookshop, Tom Logan. Hello, Wally. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Hello, Dahi. How are you? Hello. Hello, Tom. How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you. So, Tom, this, this broadcast is going out with Menshed Radio as well, and um, you are a member of the Menshed uh, support group, and um, you've been very active at that, but you're also a well-known local author. Your first book was a funny thing happened on the way to the men's shed. So do you want to tell us how you got into writing? Um, I've always wanted to do um, something. Um, and this came about after I joined the, the men's shed uh, movements, which would have been about 14 years ago. Um, and just the, 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 the book is really the lead up to things that happened beforehand before joining the men's shed and a little bit of artistic license I've included the minute. Um, I wrote this book for charity um, to raise some money for cancer. Um, and uh, the bus that takes you back and forth from Wexford to the Whitford, um, to the Whitford Hospital and it's, it's free transport and it's a charity that run it. So this was a, basically um, just some, putting something back in because I used that bus um, on a lot of occasions. So um, oh. I'm something back in. It was an issue that was close to your heart then, Tom? Uh, yeah, yes, yes, I had. Um, well, I won't tell you the full story just yet because the, there is another book there. So it's... Anyway, th that was for uh, a charity, and um, it was quite successful. Um, I never thought it would be a, a big hit or anything. I just wanted to write it. 
Um, and the, the men's shed was a big thing at the time. It still is, but it's, it's been waning off a little bit and we need to breathe more life into it. Um, maybe, maybe this um, podcast and maybe the idea of the book might gel a little bit and, and men might see that there is more to the, to the men's sheds than um, COVID-19. You know, if they can see past that, I'm yeah. sure we'll all get on. And you'd, you'd have to describe, I, I know I describe a funny thing happened on the way to the men's shed as a bit of a black comedy. And knowing you, you have a lot of funny stories. You've lived quite the life. You know, you've, you've, you've served in the Navy, as we said at the start. You've, you've traveled all over the world. And you always seem to run into these, uh, these funny episodes. How, how much has that influenced your, your writing? Oh, tremendous. What you're saying really is I've been a bit of a lad. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be far from the truth. Um, yes, it's it's basically um, what happened to me on the way to the men's shed. Um, funny things that happened. And I've recorded them in into the literature here. Um, I suppose it, it was my way of remembering the things and it was a way of um, getting a book out there to publish and something I could feel proud of. I guess you miss the mentioned Tom, uh, with, of course, we've been in lockdown for, uh, on and off for about nine months now. I guess you miss it. It's it's such a great community, isn't it, at the mentioned? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great thing. Um, we used to meet regularly. We can't do now. It's mainly done by Zoom now. Um, but then, then again, I didn't even know what Zoom was. I didn't know how to work Zoom. Now I do. So it's not all bad, bad. I think a lot of us didn't know how to, to work it, Tom, and you could argue that a lot of us still don't know how to work it, <laughs> as, as you well, see by some of our tech issues on this. Well, maybe I just need... I can press the right buttons then, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I suppose when I think of the men's shed, I, I think of guys in a, in a shed doing a bit of carpentry, um, you know, crafts, DIYs. I don't think of people writing. Uh, do, you, do you find there's... there's a lot of scope for that, that there's a lot of people that go to the men's sheds that might secretly harbor a dream of writing a book or, you know, writing a poem. It's a something that the men's shed movement supports and pushes. Oh, I would say so, yes. Um, there's lots of lads there who have... Um, I know two, two or three writers that are in the men's shed themselves. Um, and there's, there's poets... There's other people um, that do performing arts. It's a wide variety. We do, we, obviously we do a little bit of carpentry. We do a bit of this, a bit of that. Um, lots of the men's sheds, they have watercolor painting, uh, oil classes. Um, they'll even have a writing class. Um, anything that goes gardening, anything at all. As long as you can put the kettle on and make a good brew, you're welcome in any shed up and down the country. <laughs> you you referred to yourself as a bit of a lad at the start, which anyone who knows you would, would agree with, I'm sure. But uh, the book um, about the men's shed, all of the uh, fellow shedders, the, the other characters are all kind of lads as well. Um, were, were you nervous before the book came out that people might 
because I, I don't know, did you base these on real life shed members? Were you nervous that people might say, geez, that's me he's talking about. He's after writing about me in that book. Were you afraid someone was going to sue you? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I changed the name. <laughs> I changed the name suitably. Um, like we have Tom Scouser. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Billy No Mates. Um, Locker White and Farmer John. Now, okay, they might get who they are from it, but does it matter? No one has actually said um, anything bad about it. Um, and this was, I don't know how long ago now, I, I wrote that book maybe six years, seven years ago. So if they, if they want to press charges, they'll have to hurry up. Yeah, well, you had a success with a funny thing happened on the way to the men's shed. And as we said, it was a, a work of black comedy, but then you took the really brave decision of going off on a completely different genre for your second book, The Fairies of Kilmakia, which was a, by and large, a children's fairy tale. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, yes, this this book, The Fairies of Kilmakia. Um, I worked at Kilmakia Gardens up at Camp Isle, um, up by Grace Island. And I'd been self-employed there, and I was building um, all the fairy gardens up there and all the structures, Japanese gardens and uh, Viking boats and pirate boats and such like. And while I was there, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So from there, I used to go across to the Whitfield and get my treatment every day for nine weeks but I'd return back to work after the treatment. And it was only why I was on the bus going back and forth, by the way, which was a charity bus again. Um, I thought, I'll write a book. And the fairies of Kilmakia came up because I'd, that's what I was doing at the time. And I finished the book just as I finished my treatment. Um, I got the all clear. And the book um, was published, and that was used for charity to raise money for the CERT bus, S-E-R-T, Southeast Radio Trans Transport Therapy Bus. Um, that raised, um, I can't remember, it's 850, 900 euro, um, which was presented to them. Um, and yes, uh, that was a children's book. I, I, I used to sell it to craft first because I've always been a craftsman um, and I'd, I'd raise money that way for this. So, yes, that was a, a one-off and a different, diverse way, and I enjoyed that. And once again, you gave all the money to charity, so you, you're definitely, you, you didn't enter the writing game to make money then? Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't think you can make money at writing. You might make some money back but you I don't think you you know Roddy Doyle Mason hmm. and where, <laughs> where did you where did you get time to write this book because as, as you said you were you were busy in the gardens you were you were putting them together and you were on cancer treatment but still yeah. you found time to write a book well see you're, you're on the transport bus for basically an hour each way um and things like this that's when I used to do it I used to do take write it down and then um, I'd 
edit it when I got back home again and things like this. Um, it's something I find time for. I will get up at half past four in the morning and write um, and last thing at night. So it's not an issue how to do it. It's just how, you and know. Do you, uh, sorry. do you write every day? 90% of the time, yes. Um, if my wife goes to work earlier in the morning, I'm up early. I'll start writing early. Um, and that's where I am. I just, I prefer early morning writing rather than late night. Um, Tom, we like asking our guests on this, what writers aspired them when they were growing up or what authors uh, they, they, they read today. Uh, what, what writers stand out for you from your childhood in Liverpool or even now? Uh, what writers do you still enjoy reading? Um, now that's a hard one, but not really because I don't read much. I don't follow writers. Um, I, I, I suppose the Devil Rides Out, Dennis Wheatley, would be the the one I that stands out for me. But generally, um, I don't. If I I don't really follow any writer. I used to do a little bit of. Um, what you say, fantasy writing or listening to fantasy um, and the authors in that. But apart from that, I don't really read a lot. I spend my time elsewhere. I'll either be writing or I'll be doing crafts or I'll be working. And you built the uh, Fairy Garden and Fairy Bridge at Kilmakee, didn't you, Tom? Uh, yes, I did. And uh, a lot of the other structures in there, the Japanese gardens, and the pirate boat, and the Viking boat. Oh, and the stagecoach and the Indian teepees. Very good, Tom. You're you're you're, you're you sound like a great craftsman. Thank you very much. It's interesting as well, Tom, that you mentioned Dennis Wheatley there because I know that another book you've been working on for quite some time, and uh, no doubt you're you're going to be bringing it to. To publishing at some stage in the near future but it's a book that's very very personal to you is um a work of horror based on events that happened to you when you were growing up in liverpool uh yes they you you'll be referring to number 92 northumberland terrace yeah um yeah that was uh um i i was born into that property with my family rented property um Haunted, um, not just haunted, scary haunted, um, demonic. And uh, we lived there for 10 years. And at the time, there was no houses available in England. Um, the war hadn't, hadn't long finished. And there was decimation everywhere. And houses were hard to get, so you took what you had. And even if it was a haunted house, I, um, we still had to stay there because there was nothing else. Um, but yes, I finished that story and I'm open to publish it. I don't know when. I have another book to do first, but that's by and by. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting listening to you because we said you jumped from comedy to children's. You wrote a horror book. You, you seem to you're you're not scared to verge out into different genres. 
in fact, a little bird has told me you've you've even wrote a couple of ranchy books, and uh, which which are becoming bestsellers these days. But but we're used, I guess, to um, to female authors bringing out these books these days. It's it's kind of unusual for a for a man to to touch up it. It's almost become taboo. But you have one in the pipeline, don't you? Um. Yes. 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 I won't give you the title. Um. Yes, I have. It's it's a raunchy book, shall we say? But it's everything I seem to write. It's got to be some sort of comedy with it. Um. So it's it's raunchy comedy, if shall we say? Um. Yeah, a bit risky, but. Let's what's what the hell? You only live once, don't you? But but you're certainly you're not nervous about trying new and would would you recommend writers should go out of their comfort zone and, and try different genres? Oh well, yeah, that why not? If you if you know enough about the subject, why not? <laughs> Are you saying you uh you know a lot about branchy <laughs> activities? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been there. <laughs> <laughs> what was was Liverpool a ranchy place when you were growing up, Tom? Ah, Liverpool, yeah, Navy, you know, you know, a sailor loose on on shore, you know, is a bad sign. Would you ever consider putting together um, a book of your stories from being in the Navy? Um, no, I don't think so. My wife. <laughs> in the other room. and I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that you know but, but apart from 92 Northumberland Terrace do, do, do you take much inspiration from what's going on in the world or is it is it pretty much you're, you're putting together a story it's maybe you're using characters like you did with the men's shed one but you're not actually basing the books on events that happened to you um that's a, well, see, the, the, the funny thing happened on the way to Men's Shed was based on me, but I, I used it in conjunction with being in the Men's Sheds. So what happened to me, I took it into the shed and used those people as sort of uh, collaborators in a sense. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I work um, like anyone else does. I pick a subject that I think I like and I'll just write something about it and it'll go from there. If it doesn't go within the first two chapters, that I, then it won't work for me. I'll change it and do something else. Um, it's more relaxing than a hobby for me. Um, some people find it relaxing. Some people find it stressful. Um, I don't. I just just do what I want to do, really. Okay. And you have a third book about to come out, and it's it's tied into a boat, the boat that Tom built. Do you want to tell us about this boat? Because this is a, a fantastic story. Right, okay. Um, I, I, we're in the men's sheds, um, we're not, we were doing things. We built a small boat in the men's sheds, about 12 foot long. Um, but recently, about maybe 18 months ago, I started to build a big boat for myself at home. Uh, it was a 22 foot 
cabin cruiser that I wanted to build to go on the rivers. But this cabin cruiser, um, I, I decided from day one, I didn't want it to cost anything if I could help it. And it, that's where the idea came from, to use recycled materials. And I, I built the boat. It's near completion. Well, it is completed, really. Um, it's, it's made up of salvaged 2B1 timbers. It's fascia board plastic. It's soffit plastic. It's skirting board. It's, it's even got washing machine doors as windows, as portals. Um, the project's finished now. We're just waiting to a window of opportunity and COVID to be able to get this on the barrel and then take it up the river. Um, the idea is for, to do it for charity and we're looking for sponsors to put on the boat. Um, and I, as you know, I've already asked you, Wally, would you come with me? And we'd do a podcast on the way of local authors and such like on the way up. And then we will return back to where we went from, which would be New Ross. Um, hoping that everything went fine. And we, we made quite a lot of money for the local charities. Um, uh, and sorry. Let me ask you, Tom, most importantly, does this boat float? <laughs> Before we go on, well, I know what floats me, boss. I don't know what it is. <laughs> has, has your boat got a name, Tom? Yes, the boat's called the Recycle Bella. Very good. Uh, now, it's never been launched, it's never seen water, and this will be a first of a first. And what can you say? I'm not going to take it out and try it because I think that defeats the, the little object that I'm, you know, I would like to take it. If it sinks on the first day when we take it out, so be it. But otherwise, um, it'll, it'll go up the river. I'm confident it won't sink and it'll be good. But, you know, let's, let's see where we go from there. How long would you reckon? Sorry, uh, you'll go on there. Uh, would you recommend, Tom, uh, people trying to build their own boat? Um, you know, if they're bored at home, or you know, if they were if they were a skills person, uh, you know, is it a fun thing to do? Is it hard? Is it did it test your patience, or did you, you did it all just slot in for you? No, no, well, I don't know. I don't know any of them really. Um, first of all, you have to build the boats upside down, right? Right. You start with the keel and then you start building it up the hull. And then when you get to certain points on the hull that you then turn the whole boat over then. So it has to be built upside down. Otherwise you can't build it properly. You can build it the other way. Upside down is the best way. Um, no, I found it straightforward because it's some, I'm a carpenter. And so it's something I, I like doing and it was a good project. And if it's a profitable project for charity, then that's fine by me. I'm happy to do that. You're you're a fisherman as well, Tom, aren't you? You you your one of your main hobbies is fishing. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a keen angler. 
Um, don't get out as often as as I should do. Um, I run the men's jet, the Wexford Men's Shed Fishing Group, um, but we haven't been able to get out for a while. The weather's not been that good. COVID stops distance. Um, but it, as soon as the opportunity comes in, we'll be off again fishing. And obviously, Tom, you're also a keen humanitarian because, I mean, all of the projects you've done, whether it's bringing out books or building the boat, have been done for charity. But you're also um, talking about your fishing group. You've, you've also established a fishing group for asylum seekers in, in Wexford. Tell us about that. Right. This this is a this was a project or is a project that's um, I was approached by Wexford Local Development and asked would I be interested in taking asylum seekers and showing them how to fish. Um, I agreed, but at this present moment in time we haven't been able to do it. But we are still going to do it. But it's just a case of waiting for COVID restrictions to be lifted. And then we'll go ahead with that. Um, the idea of the fishing group may, mainly is to bring in youth and um, maybe asylum seekers or people who just want to try and fish. Um, there's no obligation. We just have a good day out fishing. Good stuff. So tell, tell us about your latest book, Tom, because you're bringing this out to coincide with the launch of the book. Yes, um, the, book, the book hasn't been um, published yet, but um, it's called The Pirates of the Hook. Um, it's another children's story. And um, this is to go in conjunction with the boat to raise money um, for local charities, i.e. Marine Watch um, and such like. This is, is still... Like it, it has to be paid for um, at this moment in time. I can't afford to pay for it. But if um, if I can take it when we launch the boat, that'll be great. I'd love to be able to fund this at the moment, but it might not be the case. It might have to wait for another date. But we'll see. And how can people help you fund it, Tom? Do you have a GoFundMe page or... You mentioned earlier on that people could buy advertising on the side of the boat. Yes, um, the idea is is to take the boat around to um, people, or should we say, um, businesses that can actually see the boat and see what we're talking about, and then they could pledge um, advertisements on the boat. And then when the boat is going up river, we could do a podcast sponsored by the company that's um, already paid for advertisements on the boat. So to get a double sort of take at advertising, we hope to get Southeast Radio, we hope to get RTE, we hope to get maybe Nationwide um, involved. But it's COVID all the time. Everything, everywhere you turn, it's COVID stops things. Yeah, it's had a terrible impact upon everything this year. Yeah, it has. But one thing it didn't impact on is the uh, second Wexford Bohemian. And Tom, you have a story in the second Bohemian called Why I Write. What's the, uh, what's the story behind the, the, the short story? 
Uh, some great, great uh, few lines in it as well. Uh, once again, you're a comedy yeah. side coming out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that resulted from, um, because I'm with the, the writers group, um, that was a prompt of why I write. And that, that short story um, came from that prompt. Um, and there's not much else to say, really. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. And it's a short sto- very short story. You do many short stories, Tom. I know you're big into writing uh, books, but would short stories be another one of your passions? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Short stories. Um, I, I, I like a lot to do a lot under 50 pages um, and then put them into a bit of a compilation. Um, yeah, that sort of thing I like doing, yeah. I don't like, I wouldn't like to do a blockbuster, five million words and six or seven years to write. No, no, that's not for me. And what what advice would you give for writers coming up, Tom? Again, you're, you're a man who's traveled all over the world. You've, you've lived a, an eventful life. What advice would you give to an 18 or 19 year old or even a 40 or 50 year old who's just dabbling in writing for the first time? Um, take no notes just to criticism. Take it on board. Don't be downhearted. Write what you want. Don't edit it. Just keep writing and writing. And then have a look at this when you've got the time to go back through it and have a look for your editing. But in the meantime, anything can yet comes into your head, write it down. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a formula. I don't have a formula. I don't have a start, a middle and an ending. A lot of my stories, I don't even know where they're going to end. So it's a surprise to me. And I like it that way. Well, you mentioned criticism. Is there a lot of criticism out there for some, you know, somebody who's starting out? Well, the, I, w- I, would, I would say so. Um, but I wouldn't criticise anyone because you cannot criticise anyone if you can stand up and not be criticised yourself. I don't like criticism. Not that it, it puts me off, but I, I just think sometimes it's unnecessary. Um, you know, there's unnecessary criticism. Constructive criticism by someone who is more um, established as a writer is understandable. But for the general public to criticise or... Um, I would, I would say just write and take no notice. And what about supports? Are there supports there for writers? Because you hear a lot of writers saying, we can't make money, we, 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 we can't get published, the publishing industry won't look at us. Um, I, I've heard personal antidotes from writers saying that they've, they've worked on a book for 10 years and then a publisher has come along and said, well, we'll sell the book for eighteen ninety nine, but we'll give you 27 cents. Um, and then there's more people who never even get to get their books to a publisher because they're nervous of this, uh, perhaps a negative reaction they're going to get. Do you think there needs to be more supports? Um, well, this is why a lot of people have self-published. Um, it, it seems to me, and personally to me, it would be the only way forward because 
um, you know, publishing with other people, as you say, maybe Amazon and whatever, they, they, the, the cut they take makes it not worth writing. Um, if you're writing just to get your book out and you're not interested in anything else, well, maybe you'd be happy doing that. But I think that the road to go is like yourself. Um, you, you've got the Red Book Press. That's it, an encouragement to writers to, to band together. And they, they can pinpoint all the downfalls and all the problems you're going to have, and they can help you through it. Um, Self-publishing is a good thing. Um, and I think the days of um, all the princes like Penguin and such like, and they're, they're all gone now, really, because they, they don't want to pay anything else. That you have to pay them to publish, and I can't understand that. You'd much well do it self-publish. Yeah, and do you think the men's shed is a place that could become a, an entity that could support outsiders coming in and and getting published now? Um, it's very hard to say because as as there's a there's four hundred and thirty something sheds around Ireland um, and they all support an age group between 55 and 80 and a lot of them um, have, have set in the ways but I'm sure if there's writers amongst the, these lads they will look for um, avenues to go down and maybe join writers groups which is a great thing and as we, uh, there was another book that's uh, the Wexford Men's Sheds book. We, we, it's called the Stories from the Shed. And that was a collective um, book. And it was published by, oh, what was the name of them now? Silver Thread um, Publishers. And they published that. Um, and that's out there. That's collective stories from Wexford sheds all around Wexford. Um, that's a nice little book if you, you can get your hands on it. I've read some of the stories and it's some great stuff. Was, was that only from Wexford men's sheds? Well, that was that was just the Wexford men's sheds. Um, yeah. the, the, whether they've done something similar in other um, counties, I don't know, but I haven't heard of anything else. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly one to look out for. And of course, your books, as we said, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Main Shed and The Fairies of Kilmakia are are still in print and, and still available in, in good bookshops, I'm sure. Certainly, we have them in red books. Well, that's nice to know. <laughs> and uh, the Pirates of the Hope will be there very soon, sure. I certainly hope so, yeah. So if, if myself and D.A. Gaisley were to turn up at your men's shed tomorrow morning, what would you be looking for out of us to join as members? A mask. Social distancing. <laughs> and and you, 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 we usually give about a tenner a month subscription for tea, coffee and stuff. You know, that's all you need. Okay. And how are the men's sheds handling this, this lockdown at the moment? Are you still meeting on Zoom or no, it's 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 very dead and dormant at the moment. Um 
there, I suppose there is some activity somewhere, um, but our particular shed, which is um, the Corrickman shed at Grantstown, um, is we're finding a hard there because of the aging population in in Grantstown, and they are all um, over the seventies and such like. So, you know, it, it's a good it's a good thing that we don't actually go there because we wouldn't like to spread anything through that that place. And when Tom, there wasn't COVID, uh, how many days of the week uh, and how many hours of the week would you meet? Um, we'd be there three days of the week. Um, and usually from around about 10 till about two. Um, but you, you can please yourself. We used to just go in when we wanted, but that was a general idea for when everyone would be there, you know, or wanted to be there. So, Tom, uh, another hobby of yours is drama. Would you like to tell our listeners about that, your, your, your drama career so far? And we're not talking about you throwing hissy fits in the bookshop. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, going now, Wallet. That's one of Tom's great quotes, just in case the listeners are wondering. Well, um, the drama. I've always wanted to be on stage. Um, I, I, from an early age, I've never really succeeded. I've done the odd little um, thing. But it, it came about with the men's sheds. Um, I asked, is anyone interested in performing a play? And everyone said, yes, we'll do that. But it took a turn that um, I suddenly became involved in making masks, um, theatrical masks um, for mime. Now, um, the idea of this was to put on a play, all mime with the masks, and our old friend came along, COVID, and stopped that on two occasions. So um, it's never been able to go any any further than that. But I still have the masks, and I still want to um, perform a play. Also, I was interested in doing a sitcom. Um, and, well, COVID, again, has stopped that. But maybe, maybe once this is all gone and we've all got our injections against COVID, maybe we can carry on a normal life and maybe things will happen. And what, what was the inspiration behind them? Because masks have a, a very distinctive look, Tom. What was the inspiration behind that look? Um, oh, I, I don't really know. I don't really know. It wasn't spitting image and nothing like that that I wanted. I just wanted masks that were, um, how can I say it, were a, a bit menacing. And yeah. um, they, they sort of told the story in the, in the features of the mask um, because it was mine. There could be no, you wouldn't be able to speak through this mask. So um, I suppose it was the caricature of the, the mask that would bring out um, what you're trying to show to the audience um everything was to be comical it was nothing to be serious so maybe we'll get a chance to do it this year and, and you're carrying on a tradition of of drama being theater being influenced by by street art um 
I, I seen you perform last year with one of the masks where you, you walked into a, while an event was on, you walked around with a mask and a suitcase, which was leaking water. And uh, it delighted all the children that were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of me, um, one of me funny days, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I had to entertain something some way, so that was what we did. Yeah, it was a bit of a street uh, artist type thing, um, with a with a suitcase, and um, that leaks water, um, and you get the kids running after you, saying things like, "Mister, your your suitcase is le- leaking water," but you ignore them and you just keep on walking and such like. That's the type of thing I like to do, you know. Well, up in Liverpool, Tom, was there much drama classes? Did you attend much art, art-based curriculum activities, or, uh, or what's the story with that? Um, yes, yes, and no. Um, when I was younger, I went to a full, um, a comprehensive school. It was probably the first comprehensive school in England at the time, and we used to do drama there and art, and I was interested in it then. But once I left school, um, I virtually went in straight into the Royal Navy. Um, so I didn't do much else after that. You have great memories of growing up in Liverpool, Tom. I know it's a, it's a brilliant city. Uh, w- would you still have a love for, for Liverpool? Oh, I, I, yeah, I would. Um, I'm a defender of Liverpool. I slag Liverpool because I can, but you know um, I'm a defender of Liverpool. I think it's one of the greatest cities in in the UK, um, and probably nearly anywhere it's one of the greatest cities. Um, I was born in Liverpool. I was raised in Liverpool. Um, you know, I had a childhood. We used to play amongst um, houses that had been bombed. After just after the war, we'd we'd play in these houses, and that was our playground, and we'd have a great time. And we didn't have computers, didn't have. Sometimes you didn't even have a battery for your torch, but you, that didn't stop you. You know, it was good life. I enjoyed it. Poor, not a not a pot of piss in, but we 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 got on with life. Liverpool people always seem resilient to me, Tom. After the war, the place was blitzed. They got on, they rebuilt. They got on with it in the 80s. Um, of course, um, the, it was one of the cities that was left behind by the government at the time. And now with COVID, uh, it's it's the first city to be trying out a new UK trial-based. Everyone is to be tested. Uh, would, would you say Liverpool people are probably one of the most resilient cities in the UK? Oh, well, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, you know, nothing seems to phase the Scouser. Um, as you know, you park your car and you'll have no wheels on it the next day, you know, but <laughs> that's the that's standard joke for Liverpool now. But no, they're very resilient. Um, Humour is very much like um, in Ireland. There's more Irish in Liverpool than I think in Ireland, but... You know, it's, it's a great place, and I, I enjoyed every minute of growing up in Ireland. Um, it had been neglected. We had a lot of condemned properties, um, infrastructure, the roads, things like this were 
but we had the best docklands in the world. We had 13 miles of docklands. It was the biggest in the world until London started um, building up on the, along the Thames and they um, surpassed the Liverpool docks. Um, when you go back to Liverpool now, Tom, do you see much changes? Is there anything that makes you sad? Um, yeah, the ferries. Um, the ferries are still there, but they're not the same. They're, they're more of a tourist attraction now. Um, I remember I used to go on the ferry. I used to have the trams in Liverpool. Um, you know, then the liver buildings, the pier head down there, which used to all be all the buses, trams used to come in. It was a different thing. The dock roads used to be full of horse and carts. Wasn't many um, motorized vehicles around then. And you'd have long lines of horse and carts waiting to pick up um, goods from the, the ships that are unloading. Um, no, it was a great place, great towns. Um, I'd like to, I'd li I could do it all again, but obviously I'm not going to be able to do that. Great, great imagery there would have to impact heavily on a fertile imagination. And uh, I'm sure it, it inspired at least partly your, your career as a writer. So, Tom, you're hoping the, the Pirates of Hulk will be out early in the new year. I knew you, I, I know you wanted it out before Christmas, but obviously COVID has, has put pressure on that. But we expect to see it in the spring. Um, yes, I, I would, I would. I would think so, and I would like it to be. I would like it for the launch of the boat, um, which will go a hand in a hand for charity. But if I can't do it, can't do it. So, um, yeah, I would hope early, early spring, maybe. Okay. And in the meantime, the uh, ferries at Kilmakia, and a funny thing happened on the way to the main shed, are both available to buy on the irishbookshop.com for eight euro each. They can be delivered anywhere in Ireland or indeed anywhere in the world. And as you probably guessed from listening to Tom for the last 45 minutes or so, he's quite the character and the books. I think the books contain a lot of that character, Tom. So thanks for joining us on the Irish Bookshop podcast and best of luck in your future endeavors. Thanks to my co-host, D.A. Gaisley. We'll talk to you very soon again and please keep listening and subscribing to the podcast well thanks very much Wally for having me, thank you Gaisley, I enjoyed your, your input and thanks very much thank you Tom alright, bye now <laughs>